lift up the name of the Lord in this place right now. Right now, wherever you are at, let us give God some praise right now. Let's, let's worship the Lord. Let's stir up the gift of God that is on the inside of us. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, stir up the gift of prophecy that is on the inside of you. Sometimes you got to stir the word of God that was on the inside of you. And you got to tell yourself, I am the church. I am the bride of Christ. I am his son. I am his daughter. I am his anointed one. I am filled with power and purpose. Now with everything that you have, with all that you are, let's give God some praise right now. Oh God, I worship you. God, I worship you and I invite you into this house right now. We're nothing without you, God. And I need you. The church needs you. The world needs you. Oh, come on, Holy Ghost. Right now, make this place a sanctuary. Make this place a temple, an altar of sacrifice, Lord God. We offer our praise on the on the altar of sacrifice right now, Lord. Yes. We offer our worship as a sacrifice of praise, Lord. God, you're all powerful, Lord God. You're all powerful, Lord God, and your word says that you are and you will be victorious. I want to tell everyone in this room right now, I want to tell everyone that's listening right now, the word of God says this, that our God, that our Christ, that the church wins in the end. The church wins in the end. The Bible tells us this, that Jesus will be coming back on a cloud, and, and the Apostle Paul says that this, that, that at the sound of the last trump, that the dead in Christ shall rise. And, and the Bible talks about the church being raptured. The church being raptured. There's a church that is faithful to the end. And I want to be part of that church. I want to be part of the faithful. I want to be part of the remnant. I want to be part of the church that stays true to the Lord God. And the Bible tells us this, that that church gets to reign with Christ in the end. It does not matter what sickness comes. It does not matter what disease it does not matter what kingdoms go to war the church the church of the living God wins in the end it does not matter the sickness it does not matter the disease it does not matter the pestilence it does not matter the rumors of wars that come the church of God wins in the end our God is not defeated Satan is defeated and thrown into the lake of fire But it's the church that remains faithful to the end. It is the faithful remnant that becomes the beautiful bride of Christ. I want to be part of that church. I want to be part of the church that remains faithful in the midst of persecution. I want to be, I want to be part of the church that is willing to give up everything for the God that gave up everything for me. I want to be a part of the church that stands in the end. I want to be part of the church that stands firm during times of pressure, during times of persecution, during times of hatred. I want to be part of the church that remains faithful to the end. I want to be part of the unstoppable church. The word of God tells us this, that the church is unstoppable. It does not matter what it looks like. 
It doesn't matter how dark it gets. It doesn't matter how it feels. The church of God is unstoppable. 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 Let's just give God a round of applause right now, wherever you are at. Oh, God, we thank you. We thank you that you considered us during this time. I'm constantly reminded of how when you look at scripture and you look at the beginning of scripture and when you look into the Old Testament, you say, wow, man, God, you saw Moses fit. You knew Moses would, 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 would find courage, answer your call, and do your work. Uh, I think of Abraham, who God would call in great faith to leave his father's house and his country and everything. Uh, comfortable and familiar to him he would leave all of it to follow the call of God and, and, and God you foresaw the faithfulness of Abraham when we get into the New Testament I, I think of, of, of Peter and the disciples these 12 men who you would see fit to, to follow you not fit in terms of credibility and and, and and, and being bred for, for, for such a work, but you saw their hearts. He saw their hearts and he saw past all the times they would betray him, they, he saw past all the times when they would doubt him, and he saw those men fit to be the ambassadors of his kingdom at that time. And as I look back at the Old Testament and New Testament, I say, wow, God, you saw those men, and, and a lot of times we wish, I said, I wish I was around, you know, I, would, uh, I guess God didn't see me fit for that time. And he did it. <laughs> I'm sure he did not see you fit. You, you were not a fisherman at that time, and he did not walk into your boat and call you and call you a fisherman at that time. But when you really look at what's taking place right now, you realize this, and I have realized this, that God saw me, and God saw you, and he knew that we would be fit for these end times. And there was the faithfulness in the Old Testament and there was a faithfulness in the New Testament but there's a faithfulness that God has seen now in these last times and it's about you and me right now it's about you and it's about me it's about who we are during this time and admire the faith of Abraham and admire the courage of Moses and Joshua but this is a time where it's time for you to stand up for me and you to stand up and know that we need to take our place in time and know that God has called us for a time such as this. So we are the church of this time. Yes. And over the next few weeks, uh, God has placed on my heart to speak to you from this theme. Unstoppable church. Unstoppable church. Amen. But you need to decide to be part of that unstoppable church. You need to show up to be the unstoppable church. This isn't a country club. This isn't a, where, 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 where you got saved and you enter into a country club and then they gave you a nice polo shirt and, and you get to be served. No, no, no. Uh, our Christianity is about our efforts of work in the kingdom of God. And so to be part of the body of Christ is not to be part of some special club where, where people get to snap photos of who you are like you made it. No, to be part of the body of Christ is to be part of the kingdom work. And in these last days, God is calling us. He's calling me. He's calling you to be the unstoppable church. 
before I get into the passage of scripture, I just want to take time, a, a few seconds, just to acknowledge, I thank God for, 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 for the men and women of, of the Dwelling Place Church. Uh, if you've been watching us, you realize that I haven't been here for a couple of weeks. I have been able to take a break since Easter. Easter was the last sermon that I got to preach. And ever since then, uh, God has used different men and women to come up and, and, and just share, share his heart. The Spirit of God has been able to share his own heart through these vessels. And I thank God that I belong to a church like this of men and women who are equipped, able, anointed, men who search after the heart of God, women who search after the heart of God and are able to deliver words of God. So can we just give a round of applause to the amazing people that belong to the Dwelling Place Church. As a pastor, I know that I am privileged that I can sit down for, for weeks and weeks and just have a list, just have, a, I mean, a pool of prospects to choose from that are more than able, more than capable to disclose the word of God and even to convey the vision of this church better than I can. And so I thank all of you. I thank all the staff. I want to take time to thank all the people working that you don't see. All the people working that you don't see. I want to especially thank my wife who yesterday cared for me in a very special way. Um, we were texting and I said, you know, thank you, love, for, for taking care of me yesterday. Um, and it, all these little things, all these little things uh, allow me to even be here today. And so, love, I thank you. You're amazing. Our church honors you. You are beautiful. We thank you for who you are. The gift of God, who you are to us and, 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 and to me. And so, church, I want to tell you, there are little things that you do that allow others to be who God called them to be. In order for me to be who I am, I need people contributing to me. In order for you to be who you are, you need to allow people to contribute the gift of God that they have into you. And God placed on my heart over the next few weeks to speak on this theme of unstoppable church. And if you can, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. I'm going to read one verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. That is verse 26. And then we're going to go to the very next chapter, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I'm going to read verse 58. And these are the final chapters of, of, of the first letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. If you read the book of Acts, you will, you, you will find that Paul, on his, on his journey of preaching the gospel message, uh, that he did travel to northern Greece. Uh, the section of Macedonia and he preached the, the, the gospel message there, there but he had a flee uh, he got chased out persecuted out um, but he was able to deliver the message sometimes you will preach and you will not be received Very, um, the cult, there, there was just a fusion of cultures there I, in my mind when I, when, I, when, I, when I learned that I think of places like New York City big commercial cities are full of wealth where people of all kinds of cultures are there and, and, and a lot of big people, high-end people are there moving in and moving out and transactions taking place and a lot of business taking place. And so 
Paul actually goes to the city of Corinth, this big commercial city, um, and he's able to preach the gospel message there, and many believe at this city. And so he actually remains there for a year and a half, preaching the gospel message and equipping, building up the church of Corinth. And so after that, uh, the, the Corinthian church actually writes a letter, which we do not have you know, this day, uh, writes a letter to Paul uh, with some questions. And so the book of 1 Corinthians that we have in our Bibles is actually Paul responding to that first letter. And after him responding to their questions, he gets past their little superficial questions and then he gets into what's really important for them to understand. And so by the time we get to the end, Paul is sharing very significant information, significant information in order for the church of the living God, in order for them, the church of Corinth, to be a unstoppable church. And I believe it's from this passage of text that God wants to speak to us today, that God wants to speak to us as a church, the dwelling place church. And I believe that this message transcends, transcends the name of our church. And so I pray that churches all around, however, share this. I pray that this word will come into you. Uh, uh, over the next few weeks, this is going to be a word of deliverance for the church. It's going to be a word of empowerment for the church. It's going to be a word of uh, instruction, a word of direction. And it's going to call us to rise at a time like this. Amen. So, so you can call it a series, call it a theme, whatever you want to call it. We'll be under the theme Unstoppable Church. And so we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 26 reads the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit Amen look at this what then shall we say brothers and sisters when you come together oh can you imagine how it's going to be when we come together I mean if we're doing all of this apart can you imagine when we come together who's, who's waiting who's, who has uh, who's anticipating? Who's excited about? And so he says, what shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together? Each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. I'll read that verse again. What shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together? Ready? Each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. In other words, what Paul is saying is, when you come together, each of you must find what you have to give. Each of you must find what you have to give. Someone's got a song. Someone's got a word of revelation. Someone's got a word of knowledge. Someone's got some kind of instruction. Someone has a tongue. Someone has an interpretation for that. When you come together, each of you must bring what you have. I'm going to give you the title of my sermon before I go to the next verse. The show is over. I feel anointed this morning to tell you that the show is over. The show is over. When we come together, the show is over. If there's anything that God did during this time, oh, a great lesson came out of this time. And God cut the show. Yes. 
He cut the power off the show. When we come together, all of you, I can't wait to be there. I can't wait to see you. But let me tell you, don't come with your popcorn. Don't come with your couch shoes. Don't come with your, no. When you come together, each of you, everyone has something to give when we come together the next time. I'm sorry, the show is over. It's not gonna be us coming together to sit and watch someone else do something and just get spiritually fat, spiritually full and criticize if they did it good, if they didn't do it good enough. Oh wow, pastor brought a good word and I'm coming back next week. The show is over. Now let me read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Before I read, I tell yourself, the show is over. The very next chapter, look what Paul says to the church of Corinth. After telling them that each of them, when they come together, has something to bring so that the church of God may be built up. He goes on to say this. In verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. And look what he says. Always. He doesn't say sometimes. He doesn't say just when you feel like it. He doesn't just say on your good day. He doesn't say when it's convenient, when it's comfortable, when everything lines up, when your schedule opens up. He says always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Always. In other words, what Paul is saying, we are always working. We are always working, and when we work, we should fully be giving. There's no point in working if you're only going to come half-heartedly. There's no point in showing up if you're only going to give 50%. There's no point in showing up if you really don't even want to be there. Don't think you're doing God a favor by showing up and not really wanting to be there. If you're going to come show up with your spirit, if you're going to come show up ready to work, if you're going to come show up with your whole heart. Me, just as a man, I'd rather work with people who want to work than to have 10 people standing around me who really don't want to do anything. For that, cut you, cut you, cut you. I, I'd rather do it all by myself if I have to than to have people who just showed up so that they could say that they were part of the work but didn't contribute anything. So the show is over. The show is over. Let's give God a round of applause. There is a great message and lesson that has come from the times that we are living in right now. There's a lot of terrible things that have happened. There are a lot of pain that has happened. Um, I think more than ever, myself as a pastor and, and the pastors of our church, we have had to respond uh, in ways that we never had to and conversation and cause and, and, and being there for people as a church itself. The church has had to show up in ways that we did not have to in times past. Um, and so it's been a difficult time for a lot of people. And so as a result of it, there has been a lot of work happening behind the scenes. There's a lot of work taking place that, 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 that unless you're there, you don't see. Um, 
And, and I believe that's true for everyone, right? No one ever knows all the work that is taking place, right? Everything that you have in the works, everything that you're, you're trying to figure out, everything that you're seeking God for, everything that you're trying to discern, everything that you're trying to figure out with the wisdom of God. No one sees the real work that is beneath the surface. And so as a church, as pastors, we have had to, there's a lot of work going on beneath the surface. There's surface work, there's the services that you see, and, and there's cameras and lights and things we had to figure out, and there's stuff on the surface, but let me tell you, it's only the tip of the iceberg, right? Whatever people see in your life, whatever is on the top, it's only the tip of the iceberg of what's really going on. And so yes, there have been some times of pressure, and there's been a lot of chaos, and there's been a lot of stress, and there's been a lot of sleepless nights, and there's been a lot of prayer, and there's been a lot of responding and and yes as it's a pressing time at the same time there is still good in here there's still a message that, that that has come out of here and I believe at the forefront there's a message of this that the church is more than walls and the church has to be more than an address if there's any message that has come out of during this time is this, that the church cannot be confined to the walls. And so here's the thing, if, if, if church for you has always been about a building, now that the church is locked, that means you've been locked out the church the whole time. Right? If church for you has always been about a location and an address, and now that the church has been shut down, then that means that you've been missing church this whole time. Here's another crazy reality. If you have not been to church, then you have missed church this entire time. If you yourself, if I have not been to church, then I missed church this whole entire time. And trust me, I'm excited about us coming together. I'm excited when I get to hug you and see you. And as the weeks have, have continued, we have been able to see uh, uh, some people. Uh, and it's been beautiful. It's great to either embrace someone, you know, give them an elbow, whatever it is, you know. Uh, uh, we've been blessed we're, because we're, we're, we're working and we're, we're hosting the services that we've been in fellowship with a couple of brothers and sisters this whole entire time. And trust me, I'm excited. I'm excited about us coming together. But I want to tell you this, that sometimes separate is good sometimes separation from a good thing is good why first because separation from a good thing allows you to truly appreciate that good thing it allows us to I can't imagine how many people are appreciating being in church now I wonder how many people are feeling bad like man I'm never gonna call out of church and lie that I was sick again <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm never going to use Sunday when I got Saturday to go to the beach again. I'm not going to go to Disney on Sunday when I could go to Disney on a Saturday again. Because, oh boy, how I miss being in the presence of God with my brothers and sisters and being encouraged by their gift that's on the inside of them. Oh, this, see, this separation is good because it's, it's allowing us to appreciate that which is good. So separation is good sometimes. I wonder how many of us are feeling like David. And David said, for one day is better in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper at the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wicked men. 
Oh, how many people would love to be a greeter right now? Sign me up, Pastor. I know I was lazy before, and I know I didn't want to do anything at church before, but right about now, I'll be a kid's teacher, I'll be a usher, I'll be a greeter, I'll do anything. You don't know how many people text me on the low, so how do I get to be in on one of those services? Literally sending out private texts just so that they can sneak in the room. Because why? Separation allows you to appreciate the good thing that you have not been appreciating the whole time. I had someone who didn't go to church when we were open asking how they could get a VIP seat here. And I wanted to tell them, you know how many other people I'd rather have in this room than you right now? (laughs) Shots fired. I'm just saying that just when you get separated from something good, you always grow a deeper appreciation for it. And I believe that's a good thing that's happening to the church right now. I want to be back together with everyone. A separation like this does another thing. It reveals how strong we really are. It reveals how strong you really are or you weren't. It shows you how, how much faith you really had. Because it's easy to have faith when you're surrounded by... By a, by a group of people shouting faith, right? It's easy to pray when, when the church is open and you're coming in and everyone is praying. But when the responsibility falls on you to call in yourself, you'll be shocked at how, so, oh, well, the church is closing. What are we going to do, Master? You don't have any faith. But that same person that said we didn't have any faith because we closed is also the person that didn't show up to prayer service because it was their responsibility to set an alarm and join the prayer call. It's the same person that didn't show up. Oh, pastor, I forgot that it was Thursday and there was a service. It's the same person that slept in on Sunday. Separation like this is good because it reveals how strong we really are. Separation like this taught us a couple of things about ourselves, right? It showed us where our real prayer life was. It showed us where our real faith was. It showed us if we really cared about congregating or not. There's some people that could care less that they have that the church has been closed. I'm just being real right now. <laughs> but a separation like this also revealed if we're truly part of the church or not. A separation like this revealed, and it's revealing that our power does not come by going to church. Our power comes from being the church. That's what a separation like this does. My power is not coming because I'm going to a building. My power is coming because I am becoming like Christ and I'm answering the call and I'm fulfilling the commission and I'm still finding how to work my calling in the midst of not being able to go to a building. So our power does not come from us going to church. Our power comes from us going to God and being connected to God. That's where our power comes from. And during this time, one of the biggest lies the enemy has been telling and whispering to the church of God is this. That while the church is closed, there's no work to be done. That's what the enemy's been whispering to all of us. The church is closed. Oh. You know, the pastors got their staff of people who are working. So while the church is closing and, 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 you know, churches and pastors have their staff who are working in order to do their services. The enemy is telling you this. 
while the church is closed, the person that has not been able to come to service. See, for all of us who are able to be part of the behind the scenes experience, we still find purpose, we feel like we're contributing, we still feel like we have something to do. For every person that's been given a part to preach and to speak or to lead worship, you know, or someone who's behind the scenes working cameras or sound, all of those people, that little small group of people that the churches have right now, all feel like they're contributing. But now you have a whole group, you have the masses who have to stay at home and they're not part of this. They want that VIPC in this, but they can't get here. And you know what the enemy's been trying to tell all of those people? That while the church is closed, there's no work to be done. And as a result of that, rather than finding how to still work in their calling, of, or rather than seeking God on ways to still advance the kingdom, many people have become silent. Many people have got comfortable on couches. Many people have just fell to the behind the scenes. And, and, and right now they're just sitting and they're just waiting. But I come with authority from God to rebuke the devil who's whispering in your ear. And I want to tell everyone, people who are working behind the scenes right now, and the person who has not been able to be in this room, that there is work and there's work to be done right now and I call you out from that place I call you out from that slumber I call you out from that sleep and I rebuke the voice of the enemy telling you that you have no purpose right now that there is no work the devil is a liar there's work to be done right now and God wants to use you right now what would happen to us the church right now if we all believe that there was work to be done right now while the church building is closed there's work to be done right now. One of the things about Jesus' ministry is that he highlighted that there was work that needed to be done. Yes, he came on a mission. He came to do work. He came to die on the cross and to save us. But while he was here doing ministry, he made an announcement to the disciples that there is work to be done. In Matthew chapter 9, the Bible tells us this, that Jesus was ministering in the synagogues. He was going through their temples, but he was also going through their streets. And the Bible says that he was preaching the good news, and he was preaching to uh, multitudes of people, sermon after sermon, message after message, preparing the way. Jesus was speaking the kingdom, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 9. And the Bible tells us this, that he was healing the sick, and he was rebuking diseases, and he was setting people free. And he's doing all of this work. He's here. He's there. You could literally... You could as you read the text, you can see the movement. You can see the effort. You can see the strain. And then he goes on to say that he had compassion on the multitudes because they were like sheep who had no shepherd. And it's almost like his compassion for them forced him to work even more. And I could imagine in the beginning of the day, Jesus was like, bam, preaching. He's like, where are the sick? Bring them all over. And he was rebuking demons. I could imagine that's how the day started. But I could imagine after it got sunny and the sun was beaming and after he did that for two hours and then they just kept bringing more people and then he had to continue preaching and then after that they said there's more and more and more people and there's more and more sick people. And I could imagine as the day went to the evening, Jesus was like, who's next? I can imagine him wiping the sweat off his brow. The Bible says this, that in Matthew chapter 9 verse 37, that he turned and he said this to his disciples. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Then he tells his disciples, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And right there, Jesus makes an announcement. He's like, there's a lot of work to be done, 
but we need to pray because there's no one willing to work. I believe those words echo all the way from that time to where we're at right now. The harvest right now is plentiful, but the laborers, the workers are few. So today I come to pray and to announce and to call the laborers forward because the enemy's been lying during this time saying that there's no work to be done. So we have to resist the enemy in order for him to flee from us. And so the show is over, guys. The show is over. I don't know when it happened. I don't know when it transitioned into this where church became all about the people who stand in the front. I'm not sure when that happened, but I remember growing up and I remember being in the church, in the old church, and we were sitting there and, the, and yeah, the preacher had his message and the worshipers had their song, but out of nowhere, someone right there in the middle of the service would get up from their seat right in the crowd with a word from the Lord. And all of a sudden you saw the word of God in the front, but then you saw the word of God in the back and the whole church got silent and a revelation came forth for the whole church. But I don't know, something happened, something happened. I'm not sure if it's when we put our cameras and we positioned them all to the front where the people in the front became the spotlight and they became the stars of the show. And, and all of a sudden, the worshipers and the preachers of this time, now they're like in this special yacht club. I don't know what's going on. And now the people who come are just coming to watch the show. I'm not sure when that happened, but I rebuked that spirit. Now, oh no, not in the dwelling place, church. Not in the dwelling place, church. This is not going to be about one person. It's going to be about the body of Christ coming together. And when we come together, someone has a song. Someone has a revelation. Someone has a tongue. Someone has an interpretation. That's what I want for the dwelling place, church. The show is over. I feel bad for the preachers who preach for the show. I feel bad for the, all the preachers that were preaching because there was a crowd because they ain't a crowd no more. I feel bad for all the preachers and all the worshipers who were only giving their all because they knew they had all eyes on them. Because now there ain't no eyes on them. And now what's being revealed are those who worship God in spirit or in truth. So the show is over. And this is what I don't want to happen. I don't want when they, they, all of a sudden they say, okay, we could come together again and, 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 and we got permission to do that, that all of a sudden the show begins again. God forbid the show goes on. This ain't about a person. This ain't about your name. I feel sorry for you if you've been preaching for likes. I feel bad for the churches that had all this effort in social media just to show themselves all their pictures got their hands of worship going on, but no one's talking about what's really going on in the church and the struggles and the battles and you had to rebuke a demon. Why did I never get posted? <laughs> Only the beautiful pictures go up and all the crowds and stuff like that, but the crowds are gone. This is revealing what kind of church we really are. And many of us have believed the biggest lie that while the church is closed, that the work is closed. And we're just waiting for the, for the day for it to open up again so the performers could come back on stage. The devil is a liar. But I thank God for everybody who didn't believe the biggest lie from the enemy, but embraced the biggest truth from God during this time. That they, they embraced this truth, that while the church building is closed, there is a lot of work to be done. 
oh, I thank God during this time, I have seen people who have never done anything in church in the past during this time get up like never before. And how beautiful. Can we just give a round of applause to the people who stepped into the greatest reality that there's work to be done whether the church building is open or not. I've seen people post stuff. I've seen people who were sh completely shy, wouldn't say a word in church, going live on their social media, preaching the word of God, sharing hope in this time. I've seen families come together and do worship services from their home. They never did that before. I've seen people evangelize who never evangelized before. I thank God for those people who stepped into the greatest truth, that there's work to be done and there's work to be done now. And you don't need to be on a stage in order for you to work for the kingdom of God. Oh, may the real workers please stand up. <laughs> I thank God for you, and I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Amen. And now I want to tell you this. Your salvation, the whole purpose of, of God saving you, right? That whole conversion experience, as beautiful as it is, hear me right now, was only the beginning of what God truly wanted to do with your life. Your salvation isn't the end. Our salvation wasn't the end. When I say yes to Jesus and, 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 and everyone clapped for me and they told me that there were angels rejoicing, that was true, that was true. But it wasn't the end, it was just the beginning. My yes to Jesus and when I confessed Christ and invited him into my heart was just the beginning. Today I wanna to tell you this, that the reason why God saved you is because there was work prepared beforehand for you. You were saved unto good works. You were saved unto good works. Now Christ saved you because he loved you, but he also saved you because you are vital to the body of Christ. That's, what I, that's the next revelation that you have. It's so hard to get to that first one where it's like, God really loves me. Yes, he does. But once you receive that, here's the next thing that has to come into your mind, that you are vital to the body of Christ. And I know maybe you feel like you got in late, and I know maybe you feel like you don't have anything to give. Maybe you feel like, you know, so, so, so far behind everyone else, and you weren't raised in church, and you didn't have all that background, and now you say yes to Jesus, and you know barely two and a half scriptures. I know that, but I want to tell you, you are valuable to the kingdom of God, and you are valuable to the body of Christ right now. Right now, right where you're at. I know you haven't gone to Bible Institute, and I know you haven't gone to school yet, and I know you haven't got your degree in theology just yet, but you are vital to the body of God right now. You're not just loved, you are vital. And God needs you because you play a part in the body of Christ. Everyone plays a part in the body of Christ. Hear me, everyone has a part in the body of Christ. Not just the preachers who get to be in the cameras. Not just the pastors I get to stand in the spotlight. The pastors have a job, but you have a job also. The prophets have a job, but you have a job also. Every person has work prepared for them. Let me show it to you in scripture so you don't think I'm just making this stuff up. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10 say this. For by grace you have been saved through what? Through faith. How beautiful. 
that and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So let's thank God right now because we didn't save ourselves. Who saved us? It was God. It was his gift to us. Not of works lest anyone should boast. So you didn't do anything before your salvation to get you saved. It was a free gift given by God on your behalf. God didn't look at a resume and say, oh, she's worth being saved. No, you were, you're worth being saved because you are God's son and you are his daughter. Amen. But look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Look, for good works. You've been saved. You've been created in Christ Jesus for something, for a purpose, for a reason. And the scripture says right here, for good works. What does works mean? That word you could just for good work. Look, let me just finish this. Which God prepared when? After you got here? Which God figured out when you turned 15? Oh, I might as well. What am I going to do with them? No, 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 no. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Oh, what does this mean? It means this, that there was work already prepared. There was work that needed to be done first on the earth. And according to the work that God needed done on the earth, that's why he created you. You weren't created first and then God had to figure what kind of work to give you. The work was already there before you. And then because of the work being there, that's why you exist. So even though maybe your parents one day confess to you, you say, you know what, you actually were an accident. We planned for, you know, Joey, uh, but you, my friend, you just popped up one day. We were, you know, you were on accident. Maybe then you were on accident to your parents. Maybe you came out of a crazy relationship. Maybe you came out due to a bad situation. And maybe by people and by your parents, it wasn't a plan for you to be here. But make no mistake about it. You were always in the heart of God. You were no accident to God. You were no surprise to God. Maybe you surprised your parents, but you did not surprise God. God needed a man. God needed a woman. God needed a prophet. God needed a pastor. God needed a teacher. God needed an evangelist. God needed a worshiper. And because he needed a worshiper, he then created you. And so then after your salvation experience that you, yes, clap, yes, celebrate that God loves you, every man must find his work that he was created for. This is the journey of your Christian life. It's finding the work that was prepared before I got here in order for me to fulfill. There is not a man or a woman that was created that work was not prepared beforehand before they got here. So you got to find your work. I'm going to say it like this. So going to church isn't enough if you never find your work. Coming to church is not enough if you don't find your work. What is your work? Your work is the thing that God prepared for you to do before you got here. It's the reason why he made you. It's the reason why he created you. It's the reason why he put you inside your mother's womb. This work is your calling. So many of us are living to get rich, living to buy a boat one day and, and, and sail off in a private island and come to the States every now and then to go visit the cool church and take pictures with the pastor. But I want to remind you that the work prepared beforehand isn't for you to buy a boat. You can buy one in the process, but, but the real calling, the real work is for you to discover what God created me for. You know, every, there's not a single person. 
that was created without work prepared. And there are so many people lost doing good work, doing good work. Yes, do good work, do good work. But I want to tell you right now, you need to find your work, your assigned work. You got to find why God created you. It's good to do good deeds and it's good to, you know, walk someone across the street and it's good for you to volunteer at the church. Do all of those good things. The Bible says, whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord. So do it with the right reasons. Do it because it's good work. Do it because it's God's work. But every man must, every woman must find their specific work. And if you fill up your schedule with a bunch of good work, but you never find God's work for you, then you still miss it. The first man, Adam, he wasn't created to just enjoy, <laughs> to just enjoy the beautiful earth. The first man, Adam, was created because God had prepared work in advance for him to do. I want to look at Genesis chapter 2. Uh, we're going to Genesis. <laughs> because the very first man, Adam, was created with work in mind. I'm going to say this too. Sometimes God doesn't bless something, doesn't allow something to grow, doesn't allow something to flourish because there's no one willing to work it. Some of the famines we, are, we experience, whether spiritually, are because we're not willing to work. God will only bless something if he knows there's someone who's going to come and work and care for it. Now, I love Genesis chapter 2 because Genesis chapter 1 talks about the creation, right? But in Genesis chapter 2, it captures some little details. It tells us a little bit of what's happening behind the scenes. It reveals some of God's motives as to the creation and how it unfolded. And look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 4. It says, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. This is the New International Version. It says, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now look at verse 5. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. But here's another thing. And look at this. And there was no one to work the ground. What does this reveal to us? The reason why there are no plants yet, the reason why there's no flourishing, the reason why the seeds are not bearing yet, even though in Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, tell us this, that God spoke to the, to the vegetation of the earth and spoke to the trees, but he talks about him putting the seed inside itself. And then you realize that in Genesis chapter 1, what really happened was God was just speaking the word of the seed and the potential in the earth, but none of it flourishes how it really can flourish. None of the fruits really start to grow. None of that starts to happen why because there's no rain and because God knows there's no man who's gonna take care of it now it goes on to say this in verse 6 uh, well let me read verse 5 again now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God has not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground verse 6 but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground look at verse 7 then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living living being verse 8 now the Lord had planted a garden in the east in Eden and there he put the man he had formed. So look at this. It's not until God creates the man that he then puts man in the garden to work it. And God doesn't plant the garden east in Eden until he has a man who we know is going to be responsible with the work to take care of it. 
If you go down to verse 15, it says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to do what? To work it and take care of it. God is no fool. He's not gonna allow something to grow if there's no one to care for it. Now hear me. God will not bless your finances if he knows you're not willing to take care of your finances after he blesses your finances. The reason why many of us are, are in financial struggle is not because God does not desire for you to be good. It's because he knows that you're not responsible with the little bit that you have. So he's not going to allow there to be an abundance of that because you're just going to lose it. I wonder if the reason why some of our churches are empty, even though we're praying for them to be full, is because God knows that there's not enough people willing to work the ministry. God is only going to bless that which is going to be cared for. God, I want a house right now. The reason why God hasn't blessed you with a house is because he knows you're not willing to work for your house. The reason why God's not blessing you with another baby and you're crying to God for another baby is probably because he knows you're not willing to care and work for the baby. God blessed Eden when he knew he had a man who was willing to take care of Eden. You don't want to hear this. So for everything that you're asking God for, you also have to ask yourself the question, are you willing to work for it? In the very next verse of uh, verse 16, after God tells, he puts him there in the garden to work it and to care for it. In the very next verse, God tells him, and the Lord commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Adam is able to eat from the garden that he cared for. But if Adam was not willing to work the garden, then the garden would never have produced the fruit for him to eat from. So if you want to eat, you got to be willing to work. This is why Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, if a man is unwilling to work, then he's not going to eat. And everybody wants to eat, but no one wants to work. Everyone wants to have an abundance, but no one wants to care. Everyone wants things to grow, but no one's willing to stick around to come in early to stay late. If you want to see your ministry grow, then you got to be willing to work. Everyone wants a big ministry, but no one wants to pray. Everyone wants to preach to the nations, but no one wants to fast. Everyone wants to rebuke a demon, but no one wants to put their time in with God. God is also not going to bless anything unless you're willing to work from it. And the reason why we're in spiritual famines is because we're not willing to work. But if we get in our spirits that we're not just saved to watch a show when we go to church and we realize that we all have a work and yes, work is work, work is work, work isn't easy. I love, and, and, and the verse that we read in, in, in Ephesians, and I'm just going back to Ephesians 2.10 where it says that for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You look at that word in, in, in the Greek and I love that word in the Greek, it's, it's ergon. And it's going to blow your mind what that word work means in the Greek. You know what it means? It means work. <laughs> in the Greek, it means toil, which has to do with hard work and sweat. Like me, I'm sweating right now. I'm trying to work. I'm working hard right now. I could have just sat down, got me a chair, and just, you know, whatever. But I'm working hard right now. I'm pressing right now. I'm pushing right now. Work is work. But every man was created with work in mind. I know your end goal is just to say off into the sunset with your boo one day. And sip a pina colada while you, while you read your Bible app in a private island. But we were created for work 
Adam was created for work. You look at the prophet Jeremiah who's like, I'm too young, I'm a child, I can't speak, I'm only a child. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says this, God said, before I formed you in your womb, I knew you. In other words, before you got to this planet, before you got to this earth, I already knew you. How did God know him? Because God already knew the kind of work that he needed to be done. He says, before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So check this out. What is God saying? He's saying the nations needed a prophet. And because I needed a prophet and because that was the kind of work that needed to be done, Jeremiah, I created you. I created you for work. Jesus came to save all of us, right? But the intention, he came on an assignment, that he had a calling. I love John 3:17, who lives in the shadow of his big brother, John 3:16. It says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus came with a calling, he came with an assignment, he came to do work. And so by the time we get to Paul and he's writing to the Corinthians church. He's trying to preach to them a powerful message that in order for the church to be successful, all parts must be working. And now I wanna tell you this. If a man or woman does not find their work, does not discover their calling, or finds it and fails to act upon it, then that person fails to experience the sole purpose of why they were created. If a man or woman does not discover or find their work, then that person fails to experience the sole purpose of why they were even created. God didn't save you for you just to go to church and clap. God didn't save you for you just to tune in. I want you to tune in. We're so glad there are more people watching than ever before. But God didn't save you to tune in. God didn't save you to press like. God didn't save you for you to go to church and, and look at what everyone else is doing and, and clap your hands and feel good on the inside. No, God saved you because there was work prepared beforehand. So how do I find my work? How do I discover my work? Let me tell you, you got to be a servant of whatever you have in front of you right now. How do I discover my work? How do I discover my purpose? How do I discover my calling? Right, because that seems so far away for many of us. I have no clue. I just got saved two weeks ago in the, in the sermon online that Daniel Machuca preached. How am I supposed to discover my calling? I can't even go to church. Here is the beginning steps. Be faithful and work with whatever you have in front of you right now. That's the key. If you, look, if, you, if you ever looked at anyone and said, wow, that's a powerful man of God. Look how they're working in the kingdom. Look how they're working and advancing the kingdom of God. And you've seen all these amazing things that they're doing right now for the glory of the Lord. I promise you, if you sit down and you talk with them and you go a little back, go back, go back. Don't talk to them about what they did two months ago, three months ago. Ask them about their history and ask them about where they started. And I guarantee you, they will tell you, well, you know what? At one point, all I had was my kids and then I felt this calling that I needed to be a spiritual mother to my own kids and I started working and serving my own kids or they'll tell you, you know what, I was in the church and I, I, and I just told the pastor, I'll do anything. Wherever you need help, I will serve. Many of us want these big callings over here but we're not willing to serve in small little places. 
And that's where it all begins. The beginning to you finding your big calling is to serve all the little callings that are in front of you. There's some people in our church that are just like, wow, where did they come from? People like Alex. Like, my man, where did you come from? You, you must know the pastor since New York. No. Three years, right? Total. Like, this guy just came through the door. What he's doing? Let me tell you, Alex was someone who, before service, after service, would be like, Pastor, is there anything that you need? He didn't say, Pastor, can I preach to the youth on a Thursday? <laughs> can I do a leadership class with them? No, no, no. Whatever. Whatever you need. You need me to throw out the trash? You need me to carry something? You need me to move the chair? It didn't matter. And I'm telling you, God has blessed him and is opening doors for him now is because he was faithful with all those little callings that were right in front of him. Whatever, whatever opportunity you have in front of you right now, that's what you need to look after. Ask someone, how can you help them? Ask God, God, how can I help you right now? I can't go to the church right now. How? And I promise you, God will show you or someone, God will put someone in front of you to direct you. You have to work with whatever you have right now. That's how you discover your calling. You can't just jump into your calling. It doesn't work like that. You think of David in the Bible, right? The man after God's heart. He becomes the king of Israel. But at one point, David was just a little shepherd boy. You know what he had? He had sheep and he had a staff. And because he did that well, God positioned him for more. He also had a little harp, and I don't know where he found the harp. I don't know who gave him the harp. I don't know where the little harp came from. But the Bible says that he played that harp, and he mastered that harp. He got excellent with that harp, that when King Saul was being tormented by spirits, and his officials said, we need to find a musician, someone that could bring peace of mind to you. They went and they scouted all the land, and guess who they found? They found little David. Why? He was faithful with a little harp. And he was faithful with sheep and he was faithful with a little staff. And because of that, the kingdom was given to him. What work can we do right now? What work can we do right now? That's what I feel in my heart. That's what I feel what God is saying. What work can you do right now so that you can then discover your calling? What opportunities is God giving you right now? What doors are being opened for you right now? Is it your children? Is God giving you an opportunity for the first time to be a priest in your own home? You better take it. Don't think that God's going to make you a priest and ordain you a prophet to the nations. If you act in a fool in your house. Don't think God's going to use you greatly in the church. You want to be a woman of God in the church and I want God to see what I could do. And in your house you are miserable and you have no submission and you don't take care of your family and you and your husband are killing each other. Uh, doesn't work like that. You're a terrible son. You're a terrible daughter. Your parents are always rebuking demons out of you. But then you want to come into church and walk in a calling and anointing. doesn't work like that. There needs to be integrity. And why I'm pushing and telling you that you got to find your work and you got to discover your work and you got to start right now because the show is over. Here, I'm going to say another thing. The rest is over. Now, this is to the Dwelling Place Church. I can't talk about nobody else. Dwelling Place Church, the rest is coming to an end. If you have not found rest, 
in these past two whatever months we are right now, you, you ain't never gonna find it. <laughs> I mean, you got laid off from your job and many of them are paying you for it. It took a little while, but that check kicked in. Stimulus got sent out for most of us. We have had all the time in the world to rest, to discover our work, to do some kind of work. But I'm telling you, Dolan Place Church, the rest is over. So for everybody who's excited to come back, you better be ready. We're going to be at the door like, you going to do this when you get here. You're going to do this when you, we got to do this when we get here. We got to work like this. So if you're still tired, you missed your window of opportunity, of rest. If you still need, you, there's no way we could come back from this and then you come and tell me that you need a break right now. The rest is over because the show is over. As I was meditating on this, let me see if I could describe what I saw. I saw a few people carrying a massive weight and a massive load. And then I saw a multitude of people carrying nothing. And as I was meditating on that, God told me that's how spiritually the body of Christ has been looking. There are few people carrying all the weight and have been carrying the weight this whole time while the other crowd over here have just been watching eating popcorn. And so when we get back together, that show can't continue where it's the same people praying and it's the same people uh, with a word of God and it's the same people that are leading. Right now I'm telling you, God needs you because you were prepared, you were created for work beforehand. In the next few weeks, we're gonna talk about all the ways, the, the spiritual workings and all the callings and all the gifts and how God can use you. So, uh, and I pray as we go there, it's gonna help you to see like, oh my God, yes, I, I can do this. This is what God put inside of me. But before we even get to that, I just wanna tell you that there's work to be done because there are many people who are just sitting down. There are people who are comfortable just watching other people work and they're okay with applauding and they're okay with saying good job and they're okay with patting their brother or sister on the shoulder saying keep doing what you're doing. But no, no, now is the moment for you to get up. Now is the moment for you to rise up. This is your moment too. This calling, this, this, this. When we, when we say yes to Jesus, we enter into a body of Christ and there's a lot of work to be done. God showed me that there's a blessing that is supposed to be a blessing, but it's a blessing that's being tangled with a burden. And I want to tell you this. Yes, work is work, but working for the kingdom of God is a blessing. It's a blessing. Why? Because when you work, you will be able to eat from the fruit that is produced. That's what God told Adam after he worked the garden of Eden. He said, you may eat from all the trees of this garden except for that one. But you got enough food, brother. So there's always a blessing when you work. There's always a blessing when you work the ground and you press into the ground and you plant seed into the ground and when you, you work that ground. There's always a blessing. Why? Because all seeds planted in God will grow one day. And so it's hard work, but let me tell you, you know, ministry is hard, but there's a blessing in it. Being a pastor is hard, but there's a blessing that comes out of it. Being a youth leader is hard, but there's a blessing that comes out of it. Being a worshiper is hard, but there's a blessing that comes out of it. Working with children is hard, but there's a blessing that comes out of it that you're able to eat from. So there is a blessing to hard work. But there's a problem. 
there's been a blessing that's tied up with a burden that I see. And the burden is this. When you don't find the work that you were called to do, or when you refuse to do the work that God has called you to do, or when you're unfaithful with the work that God has called you to do, the work still needs to be done. And Jesus, this is what God does. Because the work needs to be done, he takes it from you and he puts it into someone else's hands who's been faithful with their own work. Jesus told this parable in, uh, in Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew 25, he tells a parable of a master who had servants and he entrusted his wealth to them. He took one servant and he, had, he gave him five talents. He gave another servant two talents and he gave another servant one talent. And so he goes on his way, and when he comes back, he comes back to reconcile uh, the, the stuff that was entrusted to them. So the first servant, uh, he, he goes to him, and, and, and the servant's like, Master, uh, you gave me five, and I multiplied it now, and I made it ten. He says, good job, faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord, blah, blah, blah. Next servant, oh, I had two. I multiplied it into four. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He goes to the last person who had one talent. One job. You had one job to do, brother. You didn't have to manage five. You didn't have to manage two. You had one job here. And the servant tells him, oh, I know you were a hard man and, and you reaping where you have not sown. And so I took it and I hid it in the ground. And here's the one talent that you gave me. You know what he does? <laughs> Gives that guy the boot. <laughs> and he takes his work. He takes his assignment. He takes his calling that was entrusted in his hands and he gives it to another. So now I go back to the vision that I kind of saw where there's a few people carrying a big weight. Work of the Lord is supposed to be a blessing. But over time, there are people who have not been faithful with the little that God has given to them. And God keeps giving the little bit to someone else, the little bit to another person. Next thing you know, these people here who have been multiplying are carrying a huge load. All because there are people who won't pick up the small work that God entrusted to them. This is how you get spiritual burnout. This is how you get people who are anointed by God frustrated. This is why you got pastors cussing their congregation out over time. Snapping. I see pastors snap right on the altar. And everyone's like, no, he's supposed to be a man of God. I'm like, I know how that dude feels. I know how he feels because you got three people working and you got 15 others just standing by. You got a staff of 50 volunteers with three of them doing all the work. You got 15 people on your setup team, two people showing up every week to set up. You got 10 people called to go into intercessory prayer, only one person is praying. You got five people with the gift of teaching and when you ask the person to teach, she tells you you can't teach right now. You got 10 people on the worship team, only two people willing to worship right now. And even though the work is supposed to be a blessing, when, 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 when those people keep getting other people's weight and other people's weight and carrying other people's load, eventually that blessing becomes a burden for someone else. So if right now you want to be a blessing to the rest of the body of Christ, if you want to be a blessing when we come back to TDP Church, the first thing you're going to do is ask, pastors, what is the work? How can I help? 
And as you become faithful with little work and whatever's entrusted into you, that's how God's going to open the door for you to finally step into your calling. But if you're not faithful with a little bit, you're not gonna, God's not going to give you any more. And I'm telling you right now, the more unfaithful many of us are with the little bit that God has given to us, we are killing our brother and sister who is being faithful. Because they're just picking up slack, picking up slack, picking up slack. Let me end with this. Galatians chapter 6 verses 4 to 5 say this. Paul writes, but let each one examine his own work. Stop examining the work of someone else. Stop looking to what else. So, so, wow, look how God's using them and great job. And, and stop clapping at someone else. Stop celebrating someone else. Stop, stop, stop praising all that God's doing to someone else. Look, let each man examine his own work. We all have our own work. It says this, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. I was like, wow, it's a good thing that I can look at someone else and be like, wow, look how God is using them. But if I say that over and over and over again and I'm never able to look at myself and say, wow, God, thank God you're using me, then there is a problem. There's a problem I can only talk about another man's work and never look at the work that I'm doing myself. He says, let each man examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Look, verse 5, for each one shall bear his own load. The show is over. The rest is over. It's time for us to carry our own weight. Because when we carry our own weight, we become a blessing to the body. And when we start to pick up our work, we start to live out the reason for why we are created. So right now I want to pray that everyone here as we close, let's just stand to our feet. Join me in prayer. I want us to pray that we will discover our work. I want to pray right now that our hearts will know right now that God is calling us into work. And if you're tired, say, God, I just need you to give me strength then. <laughs> God, forgive me if I missed my season of rest. God, forgive me if I didn't rest, if I didn't manage my time effectively that you've given to me. But God, I'm your servant and I'm ready to work. Can you say that with me? I'm your servant and I am ready to work. God, I'm your servant and I am ready to work. And I want to I reaffirm to you right now that God has plans for you, that God has a purpose for you, that there is a predestined calling for you to walk in. And I rebuke the voice of the enemy. Can we, let's just rebuke the voice of the enemy, the lies of the enemy who's been telling us that there's no work to be done. I rebuke the voice of the enemy that tells you that someone else is going to do it, that someone else got time and you don't. I rebuke it. I want you to confess right now. Say, God, I'm your servant and I have time and here I am and God use me how you want to use me God help me to see the opportunity that you have given to me I want to tell you that you are anointed I want to tell you that you are called I want to tell you that God has great plan for you if you would be willing to work if you would be willing to work As we continue over the next few weeks, we're going to learn that we are the body of Christ. And there's one head, and Christ is the head. 
There's not a single man that is the head of the body of Christ. No, 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 no. The Bible clearly says that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And we are the body. And Paul goes with the Corinthians and he, he digs deep with them. And he tells them every part of the body is valuable. He says it like this. The parts that are seen and the parts that are unseen. He goes, those hidden parts that no one sees, he goes, we give them even more honor. So I know that you appreciate pastors and leaders, people, the faces, and we do. I'm not dishonoring any pastor. I'm not discrediting any worshiper. But I want to talk to the person who has been, been, who has been believing the lie that it's only the people in the front are the ones that are valuable. No, you are just as valuable. I say that to you. You're just as valuable to the body of Christ as we are. God just wants you to find your part. And that's my prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we bless you and we honor you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you consider us useful. Father, I thank you that before I got here, Lord God, you had a plan for me. I thank you before my parents thought of me. Lord, your word tells me that you knew me just like you know Jeremiah, Lord. And not only you know me, but you know every person that's listening, every person in this room, every person that is watching online, Father. It does not matter where they are at in life, Father. You created them with great purpose in mind, with great expectation in mind, Lord God. And you have something for them. There's kingdom work. There's powerful work. There's spiritual work that needs to be done, Father. So I call them forward, Lord God. I call their spirits forward. I encourage them. I tell them that they are more than able, that they are conquerors in Christ Jesus, that they have potential, that they are somebody, that God knows that they are part of the plan and they're part of the body just as much as we're all part of the body and that you love them, and but that, they, but that you need them, Lord God. May they receive in their spirit right now that they are vital. May they know right now, Lord God, that this is not riding on one person or two people, but that their part, Lord God, their part is just as vital and as essential, Father. Father, there are pastors down deep on the inside of them, Lord God. There are teachers down deep on the inside of them, Lord God. There are evangelists deep down on the inside of them. There are gifts of help on the inside of them. There are prophecies down on the inside of them. There are servants down on the inside of them, Lord God. There are worshipers down on the inside of them, Lord God. There are miracles in their hands, Lord God. There's faith in their heart, Lord God. There's revelation in their mind, Lord God. There's knowledge with in their womb, Father, Lord God. I pray this will be a time that the church of God, the church of the living God knows it's time for them to rise up. It's time for us to rise up and to come together as one body in Christ Jesus, Lord God. So we silence the show. We rebuke the show in Jesus' name. We are the unstoppable church, Lord God. We are the bride of the last days, Lord God. And we all got a part to play. We all got a word to say, Lord God. I pray for the person that's just be, that's hiding behind little work, but they know that God is calling them for more, Lord God, for them to step forward right now, Lord. Father, I know what it is to be shy, to be afraid, Lord God. I know what it is to not feel worthy. I know what it is to feel incapable, Lord God. But Father, I pray right now that courage 
a spirit of courage, a spirit of boldness will come into them, to the person who's listening right now, Lord God, who is terrified, Lord God, terrified of, of people, terrified of crowds, Lord God, but you have called them for greatness, Lord. I pray right now that they will get peace and they will get courage and they will get boldness and they'll be inspired by the Holy Spirit right now, Lord. That you'll lift them up right now, Lord God. Father, I also pray for all of us to see the opportunity that we have right now. If there's someone who's been missing to appreciate that good thing of fellowship, Father, I pray that we will find appreciation for it right now, Lord. For the person who's been missing church this whole time because they've been locked out of the physical building, I pray that right now today will be a day where they, where they cross over and they realize that they are the church. They are the church of the living God. Father, I pray for the person that does not know you, that is watching, Lord God, that is searching, that is inquiring, that is looking. We read a passage of scripture that says, by grace we are saved is a gift of God, not of work, so no one can boast. Today I want to tell you that salvation belongs to you if you just confess Jesus into your heart right now. All you need to say is, Jesus, here I am. You don't need to know your work to say yes to Jesus. You just got to admit to Jesus that you need him. And say, Jesus, I need you. I accept the sacrifice of your son. Come into my heart. Wash me and make me new. And when you do that, the Bible tells us this, that God is faithful. That he's close to the brokenhearted. And the Bible tells us this, that our confession leads us to our salvation. I want to tell you today that now you are saved. You've been washed and your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And like I said earlier, the Bible tells us this, that there is rejoicing in the heavens. So today's a new day for you. Celebrate it. But today I want to encourage you and let you know right away that there's work to be done. And God saved you at this moment right now because there is a calling. And I'll say this again, the man or woman who does not discover and find their work is the person who misses, the person that will miss the experience of why they were created in the first place. May we find our work, church. Once again, thank you to all the people that helped support. I could never imagine I could never imagine when we left over 10 years ago, New York, when we left with nothing but ourselves, I could not have imagined all the amazing people that God will put by our side who were willing to work. Because one of the greatest realities that you step into is that even the work that God assigns you to, you would not be able to fulfill it if there were not others working alongside you. So on behalf of my wife, the pastors, the other leaders of this church, all of you, thank you. Not just the people in this room, the people who are praying behind the scenes, the work that no one sees, the people who have reached out to other people, who have looked for someone during this time, that's work, that's secret work happening. And as you be faithful with those little things, I promise you, God is gonna lead you into much more. So let all of us carry our own weight. I pray that when we get together, all of y'all, right? <laughs> all those people, I can't wait, I can't wait. I pray you should come ready to work. I pray you come ready to work. And if you sit there with a juice box in your hand and your heels kicked up on the back seat, oh my God, I'm going to pass the slap you in Jesus' name. <laughs>
through prayer. I'm like, <laughs> no, but seriously, thank you for all those that are working. Continue to work. If you have no clue what to do, how you're so disconnected from everyone right now, you have no idea how God can use you, then I challenge you tonight, go to your secret place and pray and say, God, show me. Tell him, I'll do anything right about now. I'll do anything right about now. Give me an opportunity to work. And when he gives you the opportunity, do the work. Amen? Do the work. God bless you. I love you. Thank you guys so much. Give a round of applause. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Amen, amen. Are you ready to work? Come on, are you ready to work, church? I felt, wow, I can't even express how much this message has blessed me personally. Um, and I'm feeling to share this because I feel like it'll free somebody. Because, like, a lot of times, you know, you, you see people and you don't think that they go through the same things you go through, right? Because, like, just the way it looks, they're always happy, they're always friendly, they're always, look like you're doing something, right? Like, I'm a person that struggles with doing, sometimes doing the work because I don't feel worthy of the work. Like, I, I struggle with that personally. I still do. I want to I say that that's something I'm getting over and that from this day forward, I no longer struggle with it. Amen? And I proclaim that over my life. But a lot of times, we know what God is calling us to do. We know the work or God has been tugging at our hearts, like letting us know what it is that we're supposed to do. And we don't do it because we're struggle, we struggle with feeling worthy of doing it. Amen. Like, that can't be it, God. Or, or I, like, I, I can't be without what you call me to do. <laughs> Not me. Like, I'm, look at me. Look at me, look at me. And I'm here to tell you that once you look past yourself and look at the God who created you for it, like Pastor said, you don't have to worry about being worthy enough or worth it because he called you to it. Our God is worthy. That's, right. That's the one who's worthy, who will continue to always be worthy is God. So don't let yourself or you feeling like you're not worth the work, don't let that be something that stops you. Like, like that ends now, that's it. Like, I've dealt with that, I grew up in church, I'm singing in the little kids ministry <laughs> since I'm a kid, and how is it that I still was struggling with that? No more, no more, no more, no more struggling with unworthiness, that's the enemy. We are worthy of the work that God has given us because he's worthy. He's worthy of us doing that work onto him. And you're probably like, Jesse, no way. Jesse's always singing in the front. I dealt. I say dealt. I dealt with that all the time. So if you feel and you know, because only you know, you know God is, has already revealed to you the work he has for you, and you know that the only thing getting in your way is you, don't let yourself get in the way anymore no more no more stop it's not about you it's about him it's not about you it's about him i'm ready to work how many of you ready to work you ready to work how about you Ben? you ready i'm ready it's a beautiful message i want to thank pastor it's amazing thank you and amen i'm just so grateful and so thankful to just be a part of tdp church whether i'm here or at home or wherever i'm at I'm grateful to be a part of this church. I'm grateful to be a part of the kingdom of God. And we're grateful that you're a part of it too, that you're with us.
And we thank you for your continued support, your love, your prayers. And yeah, I can't wait to see you again. And I know you're holding me to that, Pastor. I better not have my juice box, but I can't wait, okay? <laughs> really quick, let it go over. The weekly services we have during the week or weekly opportunities to just come together during the week. We have our Tuesday prayer calls. Have them at 8 o'clock. You can do it through Zoom or even if you don't have a computer or you don't have a camera, you can call in. There's a number you can call. There should be some information going on around here. If not, you can follow us on social media. We're always posting about it. I'm telling you, I know you probably feel like, eh, it's not a big deal if I miss a prayer call. They ain't gonna miss me. You don't understand. If you were there this past Tuesday, you see just how personal and how powerful it is to come together in prayer. And believe me, if you're not, if you're not there yet, we, we miss you, but it's not about us missing you, it's about what you're missing out on. Come together and pray. It's powerful when we come together and pray, and we can just pour into each other and just and just pour into our families and, and speak word, words over our cities, our church, our families. It's powerful. So don't miss the, the prayer call on Tuesday. And on Thursday, we have service through Facebook Live at 8 o'clock as well. Don't miss service on Thursdays either. It's actually really, really great. We like to be interactive on YouTube and Facebook, but Facebook, I know a lot more people have, are able to comment. It's beautiful. Like, you, you would think, oh, I'm just watching the service. But I feel everybody. I feel everybody that's on there. Like, we, we talk to each other, we communicate. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to come together and just, it's fellowship. It's fellowship. It looks a little different than what we've been used to, but it's fellowship. So don't miss your time to fellowship with each other. Come join us on Thursday. With that being said, don't forget to join us again on Sunday at 10 a.m. here on YouTube. We thank you for joining us this week. Share the videos. If, this, if you were blessed today, share it. Share it. I've had people reach out to me that watch it later on. I'm like, wow, I heard them. I actually heard the message, and it was a blessing. Just call me on a, on a Wednesday. But they saw it. <laughs> but they saw it from Sunday. Don't, don't underestimate the little things that you can do, the work of even just sharing, sharing the messages. Share it. You never know who it's going to touch. You never know who's going who's gonna to hit, who's going to hear it. So we love you. Thank you for partnering with us. I'm going to close out in prayer. Father, we just thank you. We bless your name. We thank you for being with us today. We thank you for being with us every day, Lord God. We thank you for being a God that's omnipresent, Lord God, that is just great, that is just powerful, that just loves us so much, Father God. I pray, Lord God, that we can, we can walk, Lord God, Jesus, and we can want to work for you, Lord God, Jesus, that we can walk in our purpose, God, and who you say that we are, Lord God, not who we convince ourselves who we are, Lord God, who you say that we are, Lord God, Jesus. Father, allow us, Lord God, just to be the church, continue to be the church throughout the week, Lord God, Jesus. If you tug on our hearts to pray for someone, to text somebody, to call somebody, help us to be obedient, Father God, in everything that you ask us to do, Lord God, no matter how big or how small, Father. Lord God, we just want to end this, Lord God, with just loving you, Lord God, and praising you and thanking you because you are a great God, Lord God. You are good, and we bless you and we praise you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us. We love you.